I'm Carrie Dozer, and this is TGen Talks. This year marks the 20th anniversary of TGen's founding on what, at the time, was a relatively unknown idea outside the circles of academia and scientific research, precision medicine, the concept of using a person's own genome to diagnose and treat disease at an individual level. To move beyond the one-size-fits-all treatment plans that had dominated the medical landscape for decades, where drugs and therapies considered large groups of people with the same disease and what worked for the majority. A true public-private partnership, TGen came to fruition through the work of tribal leaders, CEOs, philanthropic trusts, foundations, individuals, and university presidents, all united toward an extraordinarily high-risk goal, forming and funding this unique partnership based on the just-completed Human Genome Project and placing it not in Boston, San Francisco, or Washington, D.C., but in Phoenix, Arizona. Four governors and 20 years later, all this and more has come to pass, including an unprecedented positive economic impact on the growth of a knowledge-based workforce in Arizona. Joining TGen Talks to discuss TGen's beginnings as well as its impact in terms of improved diagnostics and treatments is none other than TGen's founder, Dr. Jeffrey Trent. Dr. Trent, thanks for sitting down with me today. Yeah, delighted to be here. How was TGen born? How long did it take to go from an idea of yours to a business plan? So I spent the majority of my career in a traditional academic framework at universities, including most recently before I went to the National Institutes of Health at the University of Michigan. And, and arriving at, a, at the NIH, being part of a project like the Human Genome Project, opened a, uh, a window into envisioning how this information would truly change science and medicine. And it, would, it also would change it at a population level. And the excitement really, in my mind, was not in getting the genome completed. It was how do we bring this to benefit the patient sitting in front of us today. I felt like the NIH was such a fan, the National Institutes of Health, great place to do a common good project like the Human Genome Project. But people didn't want to work with the federal government to share their newest idea, their newest drug, their newest diagnostic. You need government approval, but you don't need the government directing that. It's really the so that's when I began to think of a nonprofit as having a being midway between industry, academia, and government. And so taking that model, I went to. Uh, worked with PricewaterhouseCoopers to develop a business plan that was presented to a series of states to uh, try to decide whether we could get the type of funding we needed to start TGen. Do you remember the first time you envisioned TGen when it was just an idea? Do you remember how, what you saw when you, when you thought about what it could be? I think conceptualizing TGen early on was whether we could put an institute together to not focus on science, but focus on how to make a difference for the patient sitting in front of us today. It really was the chief operating principle of a research institute. Of course, that's what we call translational. The focus not on science for science's sake, which is really important. Breakthrough technologies, breakthrough discoveries, 
But the idea that we could quickly move a new tool, a new technology, a new treatment from the laboratory into benefiting patients, I felt was a, an area that would distinguish what we do and make a difference for patients. You said you talked to other people, other states, so there was a possibility of TGen being someplace else. How real was that possibility? Uh, extraordinarily real. The, In fact, the last place I thought would likely be a home for TGen is Arizona because there was so little on that on the landscape that would suggest that there would be the kind of community support that there was. Plus the other locations particularly that I was serious to, uh, in talking with had either foundations or government support that was much higher scale than the individual contributions of the many people that ended up putting the funding together for TJ. So definitely uh, at the start, I would have given it a 1% probability and was delighted now 20 years later that uh, the decision was made to come to Arizona. A lot of TGen scientists are right here in downtown Phoenix in what's become known as the biomedical campus. Where else is TGen research happening right now? You, you know, I think of it, and you probably think of it as, as where you go to work every day, which is Fifth Street and Van Buren. That, that is one location of, of TGen. Where, where else is TGen conducting research right now? Yeah, so we're so proud of uh, the multiple areas that TGen scientists and investigators work in. One of those is the TGen North group, the group that does pathogen and microbiome, about 60 to 70 strong, incredible warriors in the response for, for COVID. But, you know, they're engaged in the study of everything from valley fever to West Nile virus to things that are less on the top of people's mind today, but make a difference for, for people uh, in Arizona and particularly. We have our Rare Childhood Disorders Clinic just down the street from where we are today. We have our physicians like Dr. Von Hoff and Sunil Sharma and Joe McHale that uh, all of those doctors that work at, at uh, Honor Health. We have, of course, collaborations across the valley with our University partners, Barrow, Mayo, others. We, the City of Hope is where we have our affiliate, and we're part of the City of Hope, and so we have some of our faculty that have labs there and work with TGen scientists here. So, you know, it's multi locations, and you know, the heart of the organization sits with the research which is done downtown, but the. A lot of the translation occurs across the valley and across the state and now across multiple states. Let's go back to the, the early years with a very little expense account and, a, and a, probably just a handful of people that you had on board with you. How did you begin? Where was the first office? Where was that first door that someone would have walked through? Yeah, so uh, APS gave us, uh, the, in the Copper Square Center here, gave us some office space. And uh, Sonora Quest Laboratories had some empty lab space. And it started with a handful of individuals beginning the lab work, uh, which at the a site 
uh, near the ASU campus and a handful of individuals that uh, tried to put in place the infrastructure that we'd need for everything from HR to finance to you know everything associated with research that you have to do. How quickly did you grow? As you look back, do you think, gosh, that took longer than I thought, or wow, we, we got pretty big pretty quickly? Yeah, we uh, we modeled it so there would be about 300 people. That's that was the model with Pricewaterhouse Coopers. That if we and that would be about 30 faculty, and we modeled it over approximately a five-year period to get to that. But it was probably getting that first group of six or seven uh, scientists to leave their academic positions, Dr. Behrens leaving the Bureau of Neurologic Institute, Dr. Von Hoff leaving the Cancer Center directorship of the University of Arizona, uh, two or three of the faculty, John Carpton uh, and others leaving their positions at the National Institutes of Health, David Duggan and others. I invited about a dozen faculty to the Biltmore for a meeting to sort of conceive what this institute would look like uh, scientifically with the idea that if, that if we we're fortunate, some of these individuals would not just help create the vision, they'd actually want to be part of it. And in fact, that's, that's what happened. About 10 of those 12 individuals ended up being part of TGen, and that was a major part of the start of, the, of our institute. Is that unusual for for a new guy to arrive on the scene and to have researchers who are on board someplace else jump ship and join you and and how is that i say is it received well within your within your circles no i mean the reality is is that positions like inside the federal government so if you're a tenured so tenure within the academic system or is it's hard to root people out of these positions in the same way with federal support that occurs every year. It's hard to get people to leave those positions. You know, one of those individuals I recently met last week at a cancer meeting in New Orleans, and he reminded me that the at the NIH, the individual ultimately became the NIH director for the past decade, Dr. Collins, at the same time that I was trying to recruit this this young man, Dr. Collins wanted to retain him at the NIH and said, you know, John, you, you know, if you go, you know, you'll never be able to get a successful academic career. Um, this that gentleman spent about 15 years here. Dr. Carpton, John Carpton, has gone on to lead a department at the University of Southern California to be appointed recently to the National Cancer Advisory Board that oversees the. $20 billion of the National Cancer Institute is a remarkable career. And Dr. Collins said, you know, admitted that perhaps he was wrong. So I don't think anybody can map these things. I, I think that's a great story of TGen is that uh, there's so many different paths to success. In our case, I, I continue to say it's because we've focused on the patient sitting in front of us today. How has City of Hope made more things possible for TGen. What's the biggest difference since City of Hope and TGen have become one? The extraordinary excitement of even the last six months put the, puts the City of Hope in perspective where their decision to scale the sites that they had across California from a single site to about 40 sites 
and then our decision to add hospitals in four other states, including one here in Phoenix through their acquisition of Cancer Treatment Centers of America, allow now studies to be, and we're conceiving them and executing against them today, where the 115,000 or so cancer patients that they see every year can now allow us to scale the studies we do in a previously completely un, unavailable way inside a single state or inside a single institution. And there are big, big hospitals, cancer hospitals, this is, this is all cancer patients. Uh, none are bigger than now this national program. And I believe none probably have the breadth of the different areas, Atlanta, downtown Atlanta versus uh, Chicago, Phoenix, California. So it's a, a true national model. So the excitement of, in part is leveraging now what started out as a partnership with a great healthcare organization and now is looking at uh, working with a great national healthcare organization. Obviously, those are exciting partnerships. And as you said, in the last six months, that's what you're most excited about. What about as you look in the last five years, not so recent headlines, what are you most proud of that TGen's been involved with? Well, I do think that City of Hope has helped us anchor in Arizona. We bought the building that the city built for us and anchored TGen here. We have added faculty every year since we became part of City of Hope. We've had the opportunity to leverage research across both centers. We're close to opening our first clinical trials where City of Hope has a unique manufacturing facility for taking cells from the human body and expanding them from a few million to a few billion that could be returned to a patient in these type of immune treatments that where you can take cells that can go in and uh, survey and kill just the cancer cells. These are unique resources never before available to our faculty and staff and have uh, really made the last five years a, a goal towards making even more difference for the patients sitting in front of us today. That sounds like science fiction to people listening. That sounds like something made up. Yeah, um, you know, the reality is that 20 years ago, this was, this could not be, almost this wasn't even conceived. The idea that the genome would truly be used to direct our therapy, the idea that we would know enough about our, our immune cells that we could really take our own, the killer cells inside of us that are not doing their job, change their genetic information, expand them, and put them back into a body and seek cures close to science fiction, but all of that is science fact. We treat patients now based on their genomics, their genetic information. We use the body's own defense mechanisms now the ways we've never been able to. Uh, and that's really been an exciting part of this journey. TGen's economic impact has been measured, literally measured, as more than $650 million every year. If TGen's doing that at 20 years old, where do you hope TGen could be in another 20 years? Yeah, so the audited financial estimation of our economic return of you know $650 million, so that's essentially like doing three Super Bowls every year. And certainly when you think about how this organization started in such an embryonic way, 
to 20 years later being able to bring a return to the community. Uh, and that $650 million is around, you know, really what benefits the, the community with knowledge-based workforce, with jobs, with uh, some opportunities in the education space, and with treatment options that uh, really allow us to have uh, local research benefit local patients first. It's a lot of what we're about. Anything that I've missed? Anything that you want to include as TGen turns 20? I think that one of the important parts to think about is, thank goodness, TGen by no means has stood alone in the biomedical sciences and the development. When you look at the scale of what Mayo has planned and is planning, when you look at the medical school that sits directly behind uh, TGen, uh, that the University of Arizona, and now they're getting ready to build their their second major research facility around tumor immunology. When you look at what ha- is adjacent to us at ASU with their downtown uh, campus, and when you really begin to look at the measure of what is here in terms now of industries that are relocating like exact sciences and and Keras and a series of these others you know it's it's been a major effort to have the community begin uh, to appear on the map of uh, of biomedical and biotechnology hubs uh, but Arizona is is getting there so we're just pleased to be part of the horizon of the future at Arizona that's quite bright. Certainly a lot to celebrate. Um, thanks for taking the time to talk about it. All right. Thank you. For more on TGen's research, go to tgen.org news. The Translational Genomics Institute, part of City of Hope, is an Arizona-based nonprofit medical research institution dedicated to conducting groundbreaking research with life-changing results. You can find more of these podcasts at tgen.org slash tgentalks, Apple and Spotify, and most podcast platforms. For TGen Talks, I'm Carrie Dozer.